Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. In the world of faith and politics, we're always going to run across people who disagree with us. Sometimes those folks are going to be on the other side. We might even look at them as our enemies. Then there are those folks who are on our side, but it looks like they might be giving what we would call aid and comfort to the enemies. So the question then becomes, how do we deal with the folks who are on our side, but doing what we see as really irreparable harm to the causes we are fighting for? That's going to be our topic of discussion today on episode 114 of the Liberty Cafe. Hi, my name is Bill Peacock. Blessing to have you here with me listening to the Liberty Cafe today, whether you're doing it driving down the road or or maybe sitting out in your backyard or uh, just maybe falling asleep. Hopefully I'll keep you awake long enough that you can uh, get through most of the podcast before you, before you doze off. But anyway, thanks for being here today. And also thanks very much to the folks over at Texas Scorecard, the sponsor for the Liberty Cafe. What a blessing it is to have them here supporting the work I'm doing and that we're all doing for fighting for liberty and freedom here in our country and across the world. So I mentioned at the beginning that I want us to talk about today how to deal with people we disagree with. And let me just start this off by reading a a quote. This is from Henry Van Til. He's a theologian. And he said that one cannot keep on evangelizing the world without interfering with the world's culture. So he's obviously coming at this from a Christian perspective. And, And what he's saying there we're leading us toward is that if we are Christians and we are doing our jobs, we're going to be interfering with what the world is trying to do. Because, of course, the world is trying to turn us all away from God. They are trying to rebel against God. They are trying to reject him as rulers. That's what they talk, God talked about in Psalm 2. Right? The, they, are, they are wanting to, seeking to cut the cords with God. But of course, they can't do that. And so they get really angry at people like Christians who come and remind them of who is Lord and God and Savior. So it's a given that Christians, and particularly Christians, well, Christians who are preaching the gospel, are going to make enemies. And Christians who are teaching the whole counsel of God's world. So that would typically be, and you know, have to be careful with all these labels, but, but conservative Christians, those who are promoting free markets, which I would suggest is a biblical uh, truth that, that we need a lot less government than we need today, and, and you can go straight to the Bible and find these kinds of things. So those Christians who are preaching the gospel and preaching the whole counsel of God are going to make enemies because that's the way the world works. And so we have to figure out how to deal with them. But I'd really like us to talk today about, so we might call these people enemies of the state. Let's just think about it that way. But then I'd really like us to think about, for the topic of this show today, how to deal with the people who take many of the same perspectives that the folks on the other side do, but they're on our side. It, 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 it's, it's a very difficult thing to know how to do. So, for instance, just in my case, I've been working in the public policy field, Texas politics, 
for a long time, 30 plus years. And I used to have to sit up in the, um, the lobby or the, the, the balcony up in the Texas uh, legislature in the House chamber and the Senate chamber. And so during the late at nights, during the end of session, you just have to kind of sit up there and watch and wait for things to happen. So I was doing that one session, I don't know, maybe eight years ago or eh, something like that. And my son was up there with me because my wife brought him up to the um, Capitol and he just hung out with me and we looked at stuff and I showed him around and pointed out what was going on down there on the Capitol floor. This was over in the Texas House side. And, And so this one guy came walking down the aisle there in the Texas House chamber, and I pointed to him and I told my son, hey, that, that guy yelled at me one time. And then I started looking around, and I was able to count four, I think it was four or five members of the Texas House representatives who had yelled at me at one point in time. I can add one or two Texas senators who have done the same thing. And so, the, and they, and guess what? They were all Republicans, which is kind of crazy because I'm a Republican. Well, I guess I'm a Republican. I generally vote Republican, although I get a little upset with Republicans. And maybe that's really what was going on here because I'm a conservative. I deal with legislators all the time. And generally when I deal with Democrats, we may disagree with each other a lot. Some may even get angry at the, the things that I'm saying, but they don't yell at me because they know who I am. Right? They understand my positions on things. And so they may try and oppose me, but they typically don't personally attack me. But with Republicans who are supposedly on my side, the Democrats are on the other side, Republicans are on my side, but they get really angry. Why did they get angry at me? Well, because I was representing a position as conservative. And typically these folks would get mad at me when I'd go into a committee hearing or into their office and say, look, the bill you're sponsoring or the bill you're going to vote for, the bill you're going to let out of your committee is just not conservative. And they don't like that because they want to tell their voters back home that they're conservative so they can get elected as Republicans. And they don't like it when somebody comes up and maybe exposes that, that they're not quite as conservative as they want to. And so that's an example of what I'm talking about, about how to deal with me, and they too, I suppose, how to deal with po- folks who are on their side, but we have significant disagreements about things. Now, when it comes to politics, in some ways it's, it's kind of it's clear. They're Democrats, we're Republicans. But on the other hand, it's not quite so much because they... Some of these guys who call themselves Republicans, I can think of several folks in Texas, politicians who call themselves Republicans, who I don't think are Republicans at all in the sense that they stand for the, the, the basic fundamentals that Republicans have stood for over time. Just think of it, faith, family, and liberty, perhaps. I think they're really on the other side. But it's it's a little more challenging from one sense. It's clear, but it's also more challenging when we move over to faith, right? Because the fact of the matter is, if somebody is really and truly a Christian, they're on my side. It doesn't matter 
how wrong they are. Again, this is from my perspective. I'm sure they have their own perspective about what I think and, and, you know, or we as conservatives, because I'm putting myself out here as a Christian conservative, they have their own opinions about what I think, but it doesn't matter how wrong they are. If they are Christians, they're on my side. And so, you know, th- and this could be the case where we're talking about race, you know, woke racism that they're pushing out there, white privilege, or they're talking about the age of the earth. They think the earth is really old. I don't think it is. It could be about abortion. I've met Christians who are pro-abortion, who, who claim they're a Christian. And, you know, the best I could tell they were, right? And all these kind of woke politics that people are pushing out there, many of whom would be Christians and, and Republicans, right? But if they're Christians, it doesn't matter how woke they are, they're on my side because we're both Christians, we were God's enemy at one point in time, but then God gave us new hearts and called us to himself through Jesus Christ. And now we are all on God's side together. And because they're on God's side, I'm on God's side. We're on the same side. You know, this is all by God's grace. I didn't just sign up one day and said, hey, I'm going to be go from being an enemy to God to a friend of God, because I wouldn't have made that decision, and nobody does. But by God's grace, giving us this new heart and calling us to Him, we become we make we make that move over to His side. So that raises this important question again: of how do the I treat these folks who are convinced that I'm convinced are wrong about what the Bible says? They're wrong about how to apply the Bibles to our lives, maybe. And particularly, they're wrong when applying the Bible to culture and politics. Well, you know, in, in one sense, it's easy for me to think of them as traitors. And, and that might not be too far off. Let me read the definition of treason or the treason clause or the giving aid and comfort clause from the U.S. Constitution. This is Article 3, Section 3, Clause 1. Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. And so if I really believe what the Bible is telling me about these things, what God has said about certain things, uh, on you know public policy, on uh, you know woke racism, Marxism, economic issues. While I realize that these are not things that go to the heart of salvation, because to be saved, all I have to do is confess Christ as Lord and Savior with my heart, and call on Him as as my Lord and Savior, and believe that He is these things. And I'll be saved. Just have to ask him for these things, again, by God's grace, and I'm saved, right? And so, but still, if people are out there misrepresenting God's word, they're doing great harm to the side of God and the gospel that is being presented. It just does great damage to that. And in fact, I think it's not too far afield to say that they are giving aid and comfort to the enemy and that when we get to the end of the road, somewhere down the road, 
that we will look back and see, and of course, we will all have done this in our hearts. We, we sin in, in a lot of different ways. So I'm not trying to hold myself up or other conservative Christians up any higher than I am folks who would take more woke positions or something. But I think we will see that in this specific area of public policy and politics, some folks, at least, were doing great harm to the spread of God's kingdom and his culture by misrepresenting the word of God. So I have to, so I think traitorous is, is one way we could talk about describing these folks. But I have to make it clear, they're not traitors in the fact that they've gone over to the other side. They're traitors in the sense that they've given aid and comfort to the enemies. And there's going to have to be some consequences from that, right? So that leads to the question, how do I deal with these folks who are preaching or teaching or having discussions or raising kids or engaging in politics in ways that are harmful to what I would say the kingdom of God is, to what God's counsel is to the world? Well, I, I think there's really two categories of folks in that. There's the leaders in the church that would be elders uh, or pastors or however you want to describe the folks like that, deacons in your church who are leaders. And then, of course, in, in politics, there's the politicians, right? I, I think one time, sometimes we make a mistake of treating these folks differently, and but I, but I think really that's a mistake. We owe them all respect. We owe them all love, and and you know we need to come to them as as people on the same side as Christians, as conservatives, and say you know we love you, but you're just wrong, because they can be wrong. For instance. Uh, you go back to uh, Ezekiel, and we see that uh, in there that that Ezekiel is prophesying about the the shepherds of Israel. He's told by God, in fact, to prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Why why are they doing that? Why is he supposed to do that? Well, because God says the shepherds are feeding themselves rather than feeding the sheep. Right? Now, does that sound familiar to us? It, it certainly does. I think when it comes to politicians. I'd suggest it also does when it comes to thinking of uh, elders in the church. Um, not all elders, not all politicians. I'd hope that there's fewer elders doing this than there are politicians. But nonetheless, when, they, when they're out there eating the fat and clothing themselves rather than feeding the sheep, you know, that's a problem, and we need to hold them accountable uh, whether we're elders or politicians or just just the people, right? That's the way God set up government. Uh, we're, we're, you know, in, in my church and in most churches that don't have the, the Catholic Episcopal type of hierarchy, Lutheran, we elect people and we send them into office in the church. It's the same thing we do in politics today. Matter of fact, the the, the Democratic Republic form of government here in the United States is basically a biblical Presbyterian form of governance. And that, that's the way it's set up. And so I, I think we need to, to reach out to folks who are on the other side and speak to them. But, but one thing we have to do, keep in mind, is that God's really in charge of all this. And let me just read this uh, last passage from the from the Ezekiel passage in Ezekiel 34. 
he says, um, I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. All right, so no matter how much bad stuff is going on up there, whether the bad stuff is from the enemies of God or to folks on our side who are aiding and abetting the enemies of God, God's in charge of all this, right? And so when we approach folks who, on our side, who are doing bad, we have to put it in this perspective. We have to have the comfort that comes from knowing that God is Lord and he is ultimately going to take care of all this. And, but that doesn't mean, though, we don't have responsibilities to deal with this. Because we do, we, and we need to speak clearly to people on our side who are messing up. For instance, let me just read this uh, passage from Galatians 2, 11 through 14. This is where Paul confronts Peter in public about Peter's false teaching about when it, when it comes to the, the issue between Jews and Gentiles and, and you know, it's all about the Judaizers, and do you have to become a Jew before you can become a Christian back in these days? Because there were some people who were saying you had to do this. And Peter was back and forth on this somewhat, but but he was confused at times, and he was on the wrong side in this. And so let me just read what Paul, uh, it says about Paul, and uh, Paul wrote about how he treated Peter. And Peter is called Cephas here, because that was one of his names. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically with along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So here we have a really great example of how we can treat people on our side. We, we can speak boldly to them. We can speak, be courageous in our speech. We can speak the truth to them. And, and Jesus did similar things when he was talking to folks Although quite often he was talking to Pharisees who really were on the other side. So we have to temper that. But nonetheless, here's a situation with Paul and Peter where they're both clearly on the same side. So we can speak that way, but we always have to speak also with love and respect coming from our hearts. And again, that acknowledgement that God really is in charge of all this. And we need to... Uh, rest in that. And we also need to be ready to accept correction from others, right? When we're making the mistakes, whether it's in politics or economics or religion or just in our own personal lives, we need to respond with humility when others come to correct us on these types of things as well. And that's because we have to speak out because the, the, the stakes are really big. Right. The entire culture, the entire world is up for grabs. I mean, this is true. It's either going to go to you know one way or it's going to go the other way. Now, the, the, the good news is, for us Christians, is that we know that Christ already rules the world. He's our king, and he's not just 
Christian's king. He's the king of the whole world. And so we also know that one day his rule will be acknowledged by all. Jesus is going to win this battle. So we don't have to worry about the outcome. But again, this doesn't mean that we can just sit back and wait for all this to happen. Because for some mysterious reason that is just really impossible to fathom, God has given us the task of being the army for Christ's victory. We're the shock troops. Some of us are the shock troops for this. Uh, Some of us are the infantry. Some of us are the logistics personnel. Uh, Some of us are the cooks and bottle washers. But we're all Christians in the army of God. We've been drafted and we have to perform our duty. And we also know that some people who aren't in the army right now, who will be, they, they will be in the army. And, and that's a key responsibility of Christians, right, is to maintain that effort, not just to make the world look the way God wants it to, but to bring others from where we used to be into God's army and onto God's side. Let me just finish with another quote here from Henry Van Tell, who kind of helps explain what that means, what that looks like. It devolves upon God's people, therefore, to contend for such a society which will give the maximum opportunity for us to live holy Christian lives and the maximum opportunity for others to become Christians. Christians, we have work to do. So let's go out there and do it. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate the show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.